Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Color Healing Radio, the world's first radio channel devoted to helping you obtain clarity, healing, and peace through the use of color. Are you curious about the healing power of color? Stay tuned for the color calendar with Elaine Marie. Change your colors and you change your world. Welcome to another episode of The Color Calendar, brought to you by Aura House School of Color and Light at ColorTherapySchool.com. I'm your host, Elaine Marie, and I will be your guide as we look through life's kaleidoscope to find the most colorful people and the most colorful events in the world. My guest today is Brian Porter from Ashland, Oregon. Brian says he's been on a spiritual awakening and healing path for over 30 years. His background includes Tibetan Buddhism, massage therapy, Reiki, shamanism, dance, and working and living in a large crystal energy field. For the past 15 years, Brian has explored the use of geometrical shapes and color to create energetically enhanced art, like his channeled Stars of Creation. Because he works with Atlantean technology, Brian asked if he could begin his interview with an Atlantean chant. you just to feel that sound, that vibration, those frequencies. They're part of a group of chants referred to as the Atlantean chants that was channeled by a man named Frank Alper back in the 1980s. He includes those in a book um, exploring Atlantis. I believe it's Roman numeral three, but I'm not sure he has the first book, and then he has um, Roman numeral two and Roman numeral three. So if you want to know more about that, that's a good place to start. But it's more about the energy of it than particular things that it does. He references what different chants are for, 
but my own experience is that there's different energies and frequencies associated with each one, and you might have different feelings. Well, thank you, Brian. That was definitely a first for the color calendar. So you work with a large amplified crystal energy field that utilizes Atlantean technology based on crystals, sacred geometry, color therapy, sound, and breath work. What made you decide to become involved in Atlantean healing? It really started when I moved to Ashland, and I was working with a, at the time I was working with a thing called the Stargate, and I had a, a small one, and I went to a winter solstice party shortly after I was moved here, and there was a guy at the, the party, he saw the little Stargate, um, and he said, that's a Stargate. So my partner, you know, had one of the large copper ones, and we never could get it fully together. It had like 256 pieces, and, you know, you had to put them all together, and, and it was it was sort of hard to get all the, the joints on the copper to fit. And I said, yeah, I had one too, and I understand your problem. And he, this person, worked with um, this large crystal energy field and the copper grid and invited me to come do a session with him. And I did, and it was really powerful. Um, it sort of combined my experiences from several different other things that I'd done in my life um, and made it so that I could access that in a more regular way. Not like the experience was the same, but it's like that the quality of the energy was. Um, so I'd done the sort of long sort of shamanic type drumming dance things for, you know, 48, 72 hours. And it caught some of that. And then it also caught some other you know, aspects of things. And then um, I became this guy's assistant. I was the only man that was ever his assistant. All the other people that assisted him were women. And we did that for a while. And then I met the guy that had trained, or got him started, who lived here in Ashton. Um, and then I sort of moved over and have been um, more friend, viewed him as mentor, sort of, you know, assisting in my, my awakening process and the development of tools to assist other people as well as myself. You had mentioned the copper grids, and eventually you built copper grids for your healing practice. Tell us about that. The design for this, I mean, it's sort of based on the work of this guy, Frank Alper. He channeled the information about how to make a copper grid. And it's in book three of, of his series. Um, most people that would look at it would not choose to actually make it because to actually make the grid, you have to make a frame first that you would string the copper wire on. So the grid is made with copper wire and it's about, uh, you know, it fits basically underneath a massage table and the copper wire is about an inch and a quarter apart, and you would solder all those joints. So in a full-size grid, there's a little over, um, it's about 2,400 soldered points on them. So to make one, it's a commitment of time, and you know, one, to make an accurate frame that you can make it on, and then you know, having some sort of soldering skills, and so on. The first, I've made several. I'm not particularly fast. The first one I made took me about 15 hours of soldering. I had never soldered before. And then most people will put that copper grid, and then and then basically um, the way that you activate that grid, so it's a little bit of an energy vortex in and of itself with all the copper wire crossing. To amplify that, um, initially you might put 12 double terminated crystals on it, one at the top, one at the bottom, and 
five on each side, you know, sort of more aligned with if you were lying on that grid, you know, there'd be one at the top of your head, one at the bottom of your feet. Then there'd be one like about where your shoulder is, your elbow, your wrist, your knees, and your ankles. That's sort of where it started. And then most of us that have worked with this, we keep adding other crystals to it. And before you know it, you've got hundreds and hundreds of crystals like I do. It all sounds so amazing, Brian. And I have to admit that I am feeling just a bit envious because I would love one of these copper grids for myself. But unfortunately, um, we just have too much stuff here in my house and there's no space for it unless I move all the furniture. So I guess that won't happen. Let's talk about your personal color journey. Do you remember your first experience with color? My first real experience with some sense of that was in my early 20s. I had grown up in Alexandria, Virginia, and I was living in Washington, D.C., and I got a job being in charge of uh, the youth program at St. Albans Parish, which is on the grounds of the National Cathedral, and it's on the grounds where St. Albans School for Boys and the Cathedral School for Girls are. And one of my jobs as part of that is that we would, this organization did like a weekly sort of coffee house thing, but usually it was like rock music or something, but in light shows, I mean, the guys would do the light shows with the oil and stuff on the stage, psychedelic stuff. But at the cathedral itself, there were two rose windows. And one of them in particular, I would go in there and it was just so incredibly peaceful to look up at this window. It was more in sort of lavenders and blues and purple, more that that, that sort of frequency of energy coming through. And I think that was my first experience. Um, I started using some application of color about 20 years ago when I, for a while I was doing um, a thing called esoteric radionics. Some people had trained me in that and there's various, had various radionics boxes that I was working with people using. And there was like protocols that I was just sort of following the protocols. And one of them was that you used like a whole pack of, uh, theater gels, you know, as in association with, you know, one protocol. And then you'd also use particular colors with some other protocols. So that was my first exposure to color. And then I started working with the copper grid and breathing and this guy, James Hughes, part of the work that he did, he was working with color as well. And he had colored lights and like stage lights on, you know, on like a tripod that he would shine on your body. And I started working with that also. And basically my orientation with colors, mainly through the Dinshaw color method, which has 12 colors that you worked with. And I bought a used geodesic dome to use as a healing space. And it's gonna be in a, in a friend's backyard along the creek in Ashland. It was a really beautiful space. The people who had it had um, already made a wooden floor for it. The, the dome people didn't provide wooden floors for it. They provided a, um, like a blueprint or something about how you might make the floor. But someone had actually made it. And it came apart in like about 15 pieces of pie to make this floor. It was a 20-foot dome, so the, the ceiling was actually 12 and a half feet. But before I was going to lay the floor down, I wanted to put some sort of energetic pattern underneath it. And, the, and this friend suggested a thing called the star of creation. And I asked him, I said, what's that? He said, it's three concentric six-pointed stars. And in a sense, I started to become obsessed about that. Um, I started drawing that pattern. 
Um, I started making little washes with that pattern and gluing little crystals on all the points. So I, I laid out that pattern underneath the floor, three concentric six-pointed stars, and I put a combination of rose quartz and clear quartz point pieces to set that pattern under the floor. Then I started becoming obsessive. I would go to like crystal stores, like new age stores or something, and they'd have those little bowls of all these little teeny crystals. And I would organize, I'd sit on the floor and organize those into groups of six that wanted to work together. I wouldn't buy them. I would just organize them. And um, then I started to make the stars on plexiglass and somebody gave me copper foil tape out of the blue. Um, a few weeks later, so I could use the copper foil tape on the plexiglass to create the energy of the of the sacred geometry, the copper would help transmit that. Then I added two six-pointed stars that were offset on each other to make a 12-pointed star. And then somebody eventually sort of nudged me in the direction, 12-pointed star, you're working with a 12-color system. And I added, started adding the color to the stars. And that is what that 12-pointed star with the color is what is now referred to as the global Earth star. Mm-hmm. So that was the first of the of the stars in the stars of creation that um, took form. So the stars of creation gave you an opportunity uh, to use sacred geometry in your healing practice. Sacred geometry, uh, for listeners who don't know, are the geometric patterns that are found in everything in the universe, everything from nature to music to architecture and art. Well, as it happens, my favorite geometric shape has always been the star. And if you were to go through my house right now, you would find all sorts of stars uh, uh, made of wood, made of metal. <laughs> There's a, a, a large driftwood star hanging on the front door. And uh, I also find that whenever I doodle, I'm always drawing stars, especially the five-point ones, because I, I, I guess that's because I can draw a chain of the five-point stars without having to lift my pen from the paper. Um, I guess that sort of makes me a lazy doodler. I'm not sure. But why do you think that people are attracted to the star shape? I think there's an energetic quality to that. That supports us coming home to that larger sense of who we are, especially like the six-pointed star. I mean, the five-pointed star is a little different. You know, It has a different frequency, different energy to it. I mean, it has a lot of associations with, you know, magical type things as well. But, you know, I think the reason why that the magical people have used that is because there's an energetic form that or template or frequencies feel that communicates, that creates. So let's talk more about your stars of creation these are stars that transmit color and light codes and sacred geometrical shapes to create a sense of balance and peace and love and harmony and beauty. And I was looking at your website, and out of all your nine beautiful stars, Brian, I'll list them, uh, galactic star, birthing star, global earth star, star of expansion, star of one, diamond star, star of awakening, star of faith, and double star, I personally find myself drawn to the one called Star of One. Is there a particular meaning associated with this star, or is it just whatever I feel I feel? It's whatever you feel, whatever you're experienced with it. I do a thing called rainbow baths. That's what I call them. 
and I basically do it with a uh, with uh, Star of One. I use a uh, like a 28 inch version of it. That's one of the ones that has that's made with copper foil tape. That's part of what holds the color gels on. And I basically hold it up in the sunshine, and the and the sunshine shines through. So the shadow of that, I would shine on somebody's body. That star is the one that seems like it's it's most universally people choose first. I mean, I have them for sale at a couple stores here in Ashland. You know, one of them has them on like little hook things so they hang, you know, and people can look at them all. And the star of one sells probably four times more than any one of the other ones. The next most popular are the star of awakening and the global earth star. You know, I've seen my cats go crazy when our solar powered rainbow maker is spinning rainbows all over our bedroom walls. And so I'm curious do animals respond to the colors in your stars of creation? I lived in Portland for about seven years. And when I lived there, my partner had a, a cat that would follow color around and just sit in it. Like it'd be on the middle of the stairs, there'd be this, he'd be sitting in this green color from one of the stars. And then, you know, like at, you know, two hours later, the shadow was now on the on the rug and the you know floor, and it's like he's sitting in the same color, you know. So clearly, you know, the, that cat in particular was tied into some benefit that that she was receiving. Currently, you have a Kickstarter project to help fund your 11-inch Stars of Creation kits, and I hope you do well with that. I was watching your YouTube demonstration the other day. This is the one about creating the six-point and the 12-point stars from your kit. And I was very happy to see that it appears relatively simple. So simple, in fact, I think I can actually do it. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, once we have received the kit and we've created our star, how do we actually connect with the star's energy? An easy way is just to sort of breathe with it. And I mean, I've, I've done some just evenings here in my home where I, you know, I should like all the stars. I have a light box, like a three foot square light box that can project the, the star color at, at night. And uh, the, the simple way that I did this is just to, just to look at it and, you know, breathe is great. You know, maybe look at it initially more with like that soft eye sort of thing. So you're not trying to, you're not trying to analyze the, the, the pattern or the details necessarily of the star. But you're just trying to be open and receptive to see what your experience is with it. And I think that's part of how people would get a sense of what you know, star or stars they want, is that you would look at ones and you get some sort of feeling or ex- little experience. And the more that you spend time with any star or all of them, the more of an experience you'll have. Because as you open more to be receptive, these stars, and my knowing of these, and my, I mean, I, I can't scientifically give you information, but that each of these stars sort of have their own consciousness and they're transmitting energy and frequencies from a, a different level of being. Or, there, or you might think of them as a portal or window to some energy or experience. And as you open more to that, you're going to receive more. You've helped many people over the years working with color and other modalities. How has color helped you in your own self-healing process? 
I used to shine a you know a stage light on a tripod on my body. Basically, I would do tonations every day using the sort of dinsha color sort of method. A lot of it was either the green, which in his is more of a physical balancer, or the magenta, which is more of an emotional balancer. Right now, I've been sleeping with more of a turquoise color on at night. I have like really bad gum recession and and um, I'm just using that as an ongoing support. But it feels like it's more of just an ongoing, you know, because of my work with the stars and the color, it feels like it's just an ongoing support for me. There's one star in particular that that when I first put it on my the window of my door there, it's the lower one that I look at. And I'm looking at it right now. It's the star of faith. I look at that a lot. I mean, I can't say that it's just the the color part of it is the whole, it's the wholeness of it. The colors are certainly an aspect of it. And I will find myself, you know, and these stars noticing that my attention is drawn to different colors and different days. And I pay a little bit of attention to that, but I don't analyze it too much, but just know that that feels like there's a particular aspect of my beingness that is wanting more of that particular color right now. But that star of faith is a, particularly for me, it's like, in those times when you start to, I start to doubt myself or question, I just look at that and just allow myself to, to increase my experience of faith in my body and my consciousness. Well, Brian, I have really enjoyed this fascinating interview. And unfortunately, we only have about a minute or so left. So last question. When you look back at all your life experiences, what do you think has been the greatest lesson that color has taught you? Probably that it can uh, very quickly change my mood and my consciousness. I mean, I'm thinking back particularly right now to that rose window at the National Cathedral. Um, the job I had was pretty stressful, and I would just go in there sometimes and just and they would usually be in the middle of the day and there weren't very many people there. And I would just look at that window and I would feel myself changed. And that's, I think, been my ongoing, part of my ongoing experience with, with the color. Like I said, with the, like the star of faith here. It's like I look at the color, colors and the pattern, and I feel different. And like it brings me home, you know, into that sense of home that I've always known, but I haven't really remembered so much this, this lifetime. And that I know that I'm always going to, you know, have it in my life, you know, particularly in a way of white, but also just the color of clothes and the color of, you know, everything. You know, it's just um, that it's holding an energy that that benefits me. And that if I pay some attention to that, I get a lot back from it. what's happening on the color calendar for June 2016. A Precious Resource is hosting a color therapy and tools workshop on Friday, June 3rd in Lake Norman, North Carolina. From Friday, June 3rd through Sunday, June 5th, a Tomado Sound and Color Workshop will be held in Grenoble, France. Vicki Engham 
is presenting an Orosoma Intermediate Level 2 course from Friday, June 3rd through Wednesday, June 8th in Cairns, Australia. Dr. Humberto Iturralde will teach a color therapy workshop in Spanish on Saturday, June 4th in Wheaton, Illinois. A Color for Life Level 2 course will be held on Saturday, June 4th and Sunday, June 5th in Hamilton, New Zealand. Also on Saturday, June 4th and Sunday, June 5th, Sharon King will lead a Color Mirrors, Color in the Matrix workshop in Horsham, England. Dee Kynick is leading an Auralite Color Consultation Level 1 course from Saturday, June 4th through Sunday, June 12th in Lake Mary, Australia. From Friday, June 10th through Sunday, June 12th, an Arasoma Color Reflexology course will be held in Palmerston North, New Zealand. A Color Therapy School Intensive Workshop is offered from Saturday, June 11th through Saturday, June 18th in Baldessero Canavese, Italy. A Chakra Crystal Color Energy Healing Workshop is scheduled for Monday, June 20th through Friday, June 24th in Dharamsala, India. On Wednesday, June 22nd, Robin's Intuitive Healings presents a Color Therapy and Chakras Workshop in Alden, New York. And on Sunday, June 26th, Your Heart on Art presents an Expressing Your Feelings Through Color Workshop in Nashville, Tennessee. And that's what's happening on the color calendar for June. If you would like to contact the organizers of the events mentioned on the show today, or if you have a colorful event that you would like to submit for the color calendar, please email your request to AuraHouse at Yahoo.com. Many thanks and many blessings to Brian Porter for joining us today. To learn more about his work, please visit SoulTime.com, and that's spelled S-O-U-L hyphen T-I-M-E dot com, and also StarsOfCreation.com. That's Stars hyphen of hyphen creation.com and if you'd like to know more about me Elaine Marie please visit my Aura House School of Color and Light website at colortherapyschool.com and while you're there be sure to join the Aura House mailing list to receive a free gift it's my Colorful Planet Meditation MP3 featuring the colors green, blue, red and white So until next time, no matter how you feel or where in the planet you live, don't forget to stop and enjoy the pretty colors. Namaste.
is all around us. It has a profound effect on how we think, feel, and act. A yellow sunshine, blue skies, green grass, red roses. Take away color, and our world would look like this. Color Cares is a 501c3 charity that uses the power of color to positively change lives. Visit our website today to learn more at www.colorcares.org and help us spread happiness in full color.